All right, I'm going to start this morning um, with, I don't know what to call it, maybe it's a morbid fascination, a guilty pleasure, I'm not sure, but um, this is probably terribly wrong, but I think it's important that you know that I am fascinated with political ads. Um, They absolutely astound me, like a Wilfred Robinson was given a box of crayons and a coloring book when he was six. He colored outside the lines then. He's still coloring outside the lines. He's bad for art, bad for America, bad for Colorado, and bad for you. Um, you know, or, or Sally Johnson kicked a puppy when she was six, but she denied it at a formal inquest. What else is she hiding? Vote no. It... It's just, it, it, it's incredible, and they're always set against a black backdrop or scarlet red and buildings are on fire. And for me, they're just, they're just so over the top, they're laughable. Um, but what I don't find funny about political ads, though, is that the goal is not really to inform. It's to disparage. It is to destroy, um, to discredit at any cost possible, as literally fortunes are spent on that kind of mudslinging. Um, no expense is spared, no pull, uh, punch is pulled from either side to just totally annihilate the other person. I mean, to completely assassinate uh, the character of either politician. And what breaks my heart is that it's all done in the name of power. It's just, it's just all about being in charge. Now, you, you may not know this, but uh, it's not a recent phenomenon. Um, the first political ad happened in the Garden of Eden, um, the, the very Garden of Eden after God had created the world. And everything he made was beautiful. Everything was good. Every living thing, you and I in his image, and, and God repeatedly at the end of each day said, it is good. And then Satan slithered up to Adam and Eve and disparaged the character of God, essentially saying, what God told you about that tree in the middle is a lie. He's not good. And ever since then, people have believed that line. How many times have you heard someone say, hey, well, how could a good God fill in the blank? It's still happening today, isn't it? So today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the goodness of God, and we're going to see if we can't recapture what this is all about and just embrace it once again with our hearts, okay? Let me pray for us. Father, we, we uh, just thank you for your goodness, and it just strikes me today with, with every one of these uh, aspects of the fruit of the Spirit that it's as if there is a counterfeit definition in our word, our, our world for every one of those words. And we just thank you that, that right here in your word, we get to discover um, who you are and what you're about. And we just really long for this not to be a theory, an idea for us, but a living reality that the fruit of the Spirit is within us and we are becoming and growing into the fullness and the likeness of Jesus in Christ's name. Amen. All right, well, Galatians 5, 22 through 23, once again. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things... 
there is no law. Now, as Marvin said earlier, today's word is goodness. And, and uh, the word good is interesting because we all know what it means, right? I mean, we, we all are familiar with this word. We use this word all the time. It shows up every day in language all around us, not just us, but the people we talk to. And if you stop and ask somebody, say, quick, give me a definition of good. It's actually kind of hard to do. Um, it's so familiar, it's hard to, to just nail it down and make a clear statement on what it means. And, and, and so I think we have to start there. You know, what, what does it mean? What does the word good mean? Now, for many people, good is merely the, it's the, the preferred end of the behavior scale. You know, you have good and you have bad, or, or you could say right and wrong. Um, for other people, good is, is, is the, the first stop in that familiar chain of good, better, and best. You know, it's okay to have good, but it would be better to have better, and then, of course, if you can get best, well, you've got it. Um, to a little friend of Noah's uh, growing up in Suffolk, Virginia, good was his go-to word for everything. He would wander up to the house, and I would say, River, how are you today, buddy? Good. Uh, River, what are you up to today, man? Good. River, what time is it? Good. And Jane would be looking at me going, stop it, stop it. But he was just his word for, for everything, but it brings us back to the same question. What does this word mean? Well, the, the, the good news is that Scripture uses this word all the time, and as we look at it throughout the pages of Scripture, um, the meaning becomes very clear. Now, there are a number of uses of this word. Anybody who's been to seminary or has done a little Greek and Hebrew, you know that in both the Greek and the Hebrew, there are a lot of different ancient words for this one English word, but here... What Paul means in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, when he uses the word good, he is talking about um, an incredible kindness or mercy that leads to acts of compassion, okay? So goodness right here is more than a feeling, okay? Um, it is actually, it, it results in love in action. Something happens at, at the end of this. Uh, I'll give you a, a couple of scriptures here. Psalm 110.5 says, For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Psalm 34.8, we quoted this last week, it's, uh, quite good to bring it back up again. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Then Nahum 1.7, the Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. So what all these verses do, and there are many, many more, is they take the word good and they start by rooting it squarely in the personality of God. So we start off with goodness just being exactly who God is, and, and what they're claiming in Scripture is that good equals God's love, God's faithfulness, His mercy, again, His compassion, His blessing, his care, everything in your life that is a benefit is coming straight out of the heart of God. And don't miss that Psalm 110, as in Ezra, uses the word forever. So what the word is telling us is that, look, when it comes to God, good is who he always is. 
There is never a time when God is not, uh, is not good. Um, consistently in every single thing he does, God is this way toward us. Moses experiences this. Uh, a beautiful scene in Exodus 33, uh, verse 19. The Lord says to Moses, I will cause all of my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And again, compassion means love in action. So goodness ends up here being both who God is, his DNA, but also, again, every single thing he does. So good, okay, and this might be mind-blowing, but good describes all of God's activity. It is his mission toward us. It's every relationship, even those hard times. You know, we, we, we need that Romans verse that you, he who began a good work in you, trust him. He's going to be faithful to complete it. God is always doing good and good alone. Um, and, and so when you see all this, what you realize is when, you, when we take that as a definition for God, the word good here, it only applies to God. Uh, no one else can step up and be all of this. So it, it is an exclusive term now for God. And Jesus bears that out, right? Jesus backs that up in Mark 10, 18, when he says, no one is good except God alone. And what he's saying there is, look, outside of God, there actually is no true good. Um, other people, maybe in the room in our lives, uh, they might be beneficial, they might be helpful. There may be things in our, in our lives that are useful, but only God is good in the sense of eternal blessing, eternal mercy and grace and compassion and, and even salvation. I mean, this is who God is for his children. And when it comes to God's goodness, um, his goodness, you know, and again, some of these words feel bland in the English language. God in his goodness, it's so rich, so deep, so powerful, so majestic, that have you ever noticed what people do when God shows up? You know, we have all these little moments in Scripture. Uh, we, we call them theophanies theologically, and it's where, you know, a normal human being is living his life like Moses, tending sheep, and suddenly there is God at the burning bush. Or you'll, you'll have a very similar situation where an angel will step directly out of God's presence. Well, what's the reaction of people? Hey, God, what's going on? No, some of y'all are doing it. It's, it. I mean, it's, I'm unworthy. Woe is me. It's overcome. The goodness of God is mind-blowing for a finite human being. So much so that every one of those angels and God himself in those moments always has the same line for mankind. Don't be afraid. Calm down. I'm here for your good. I mean, and, and so we see that with God. Another mind-blowing fact about God's goodness, and this one got me again this week. I've thought about this before, but it really hit me. Every divine action in Scripture that is performed is performed by God himself. Think about that. You know, uh, take, take any world leader. Think about the great world leaders of history, and we could interchange a bunch of them. Um, I mentioned Winston Churchill a couple of weeks ago, okay? Winston Churchill was awesome, Right, lovey? My British mother's here. We're giving a little, little wave to England today. But Winston was awesome. Uh, he led Britain 
uh, against Adolf Hitler, Nazi Germany. Actually, he led the world against Hitler, right? And they were successful. But with Winston Churchill as prime minister, when did he suit up? When did he put, up a, put, on, a, 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 put on a uniform, pick up a gun, and engage the enemy hand-to-hand? He didn't, right? No, no world leader does that. But look at the activity of God. God does all of it. Every day that has been made has been made by the Lord, right? This is the day the Lord has made. Every act of deliverance, freedom, healing, it, it is all God himself working. You know, uh, uh, Marvin, you mentioned Psalm 23. Who's the shepherd in Psalm 23? Is it Michael? Is it Gabriel, uh, the, the archangel? You know, is it angel number 473? No, the Lord is our shepherd in Psalm 23. He is the one who leads us on those paths, gives us rest, walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death. God himself, right? God feeds us. No, God feasts us in the presence of our enemies. And so we we begin to talk about the goodness of God and really look at it. It's really incredible. And of course, the pinnacle of God's goodness is right back here, right? It's the cross, isn't it? It's the salvation of mankind. Uh, A young man that that I've known for years recently said, uh, you know, he's, he's kind of really struggling with his faith. And one of the things he said was, I just don't understand how a good God could uh, sacrifice his son to die. Well, an understanding of Scripture, Trinitarian theology, who, you know, we, we talked about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It was God who died to save us. This is the goodness of our God. And when you look at that, you know, all of this work from creation all the way through history, and, and, and today the activity and the character of God, what happens to that first political ad in the Garden of Eden, it is just smashed to smithereens, right? In, instead, as Psalm 119, 68 says, God, you are good, and all that you do is good. Our God is good at all times and all ways. And so for us as children of God, it's really important that we grasp this word, that we reclaim the goodness of God, that we see it, uh, you know, as, as, as part of the fruit of the Spirit. And, you know, we, we just get the profundity of it and the progression of God's goodness in our lives. And I'll walk you through the progression. Here it is. Number one, when it comes to God's goodness, we start with God loves us. God loves us. Don't qualify that either. We like to do that. Well, God loves, the, God loves Todd because Todd's a better guy than I am. Or God loves Dennis because Dennis has walked with him. God loves you. We start right there. Number two, we experience the goodness of God's love, Right? God loves us. We experience that. And then third, we, we, we're filled with a sense of gratitude for that love. And then fourth, we, we want to live it. We want to show it. We want to be changed by it. We want to make a difference in our world with it. That's the idea of God's goodness here is that we are called to experience the, the goodness of God and then give it away. That's why it's included in the spiritual fruit basket. You know, 
The Holy Spirit has come to help you experience the goodness of God, to equip you with the goodness of God, to empower us to be good like God is. And it's like all the other, all the other aspects of the, the fruit of the Spirit. It's all a miracle that we could become this way, but the Spirit of God comes to do this in our lives. Why? So we can move toward people who really need God's goodness. So we can move toward them like He is. You know, I mean, there are other ways you can move towards people, you know, in the name of Christ, but, but to move toward them in the goodness and the mercy and the compassion of God. So for you and I, so we can do another impossible human feat, which is actually to sacrifice you know, to, to put other people before ourselves, to, to serve them and, and, and to minister to them in our own flesh. We won't do that. But the gift of the Spirit, the goodness of God is to do that. And then, of course, to present the, the, the truth of Jesus Christ and, the, and the, the truth of God's Word in loving relationship with people who are lost. You know, there's an old Andre Crouch song, Lovey, this is for you too. Jesus is the answer. For the world today, above him there's no other. It's still true. It is still true. Jesus Christ is the answer for what ails this word, this world. And so, so we, we, we want to shine that light in our world uh, uh, today. We want to taste the goodness of God and make that known to other people. Folks, I tell you, as far as an evangelism strategy goes, that is a much better strategy than what I recently heard on a podcast where a, a pastor, the guy's preaching to his church, and, and he told his church, he said, it is time for Christians to stop being friends with the ungodly. And it is time for the church to fight fire with fire. Y'all, if God took that approach with us, we'd be burnt toast right now. We would. And so what God would have us do is not as Christians get up on a high mountain and self-righteously proclaim how right we are and how wrong they are, that is not a winning evangelism strategy. What is a great evangelism strategy is the goodness of God. And if you wonder, well, wait, wait, why doesn't the other work? Well, I'll tell you why it doesn't work. Number one, I've never met anybody who came to Christ because they lost an argument, okay? First of all, um, second, there is a bigger issue than who is right and who's wrong, the bigger issue is, who's good? Who's good like God is good? Who is walking in these fruits of the Spirit that we've talked about so far? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, the goodness of God. Who, who is letting the light of God's love shine through relationship? Because we see it with Jesus in the Gospels, don't we? What is it that draws those people? It is the love of God. The Word of God spoken with the, with the love of God. It is blessing people in this day, this day and this time, with the lavish, generous goodness of God. All of that without scripturally caving in, scripturally compromising. Or we could just say it all this way. Who is walking out God's mission in both truth and love? Because that is the sweet spot of God's goodness. That is a sure sign that someone is walking in the goodness of God and it's fully operational in them. Let me pray for us. Oh God, you are good. You are so good to us. And uh, I thank you that there's never a time 
when you are not. And Lord, we just acknowledge that there are dark nights of the soul, that there are desert seasons in our lives. There, there are times when it just feels like the wheels are falling off. Um, Lord, it, we're even prone, as the song says, prone to wander, prone to doubt. But you never change. You are not like a shifting shadow. You're not like a candle that can be snuffed out. Um, God, you are the eternally good heavenly father that we see in scripture. And so we ask you to sow that into us. Holy Spirit, we ask you to, to make us more like Christ in this way. Enable us. Fall upon us, Holy Spirit. Come uh, just upon us and move within us. Help us to taste and see the goodness of God and then live that out in Jesus' name. Thank you.